0: KFCF in Fresno, 97.5, K248BR in Santa Cruz, and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Stay tuned next for Stone's Throw with Jennifer Stone.
1: Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rules. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up for Picture drop the out
0: of This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is December the nineteenth, two thousand and seventeen. Jingle bells. Christmas is coming. It's Tiny Tim time. I want to read a story today. I want to read one of those children's stories. Um, It's at the top of my list of Christmas books for kids. Audiobooks are everywhere now, but I think we must all try to read to the kids ourselves. Our voices are just as important as the stories themselves, even... The very young like to hear the voices of those who love them. You know, uh, I even babies, even babies respond. Uh, I call it breast reading. In recent weeks, I have tried to put together my thoughts on the big issue of the moment. I have to say one or two things about this sexual harassment mess. Oh, I wish I could just skip it next week, next time. Anyway. I have not been able to process this new spin on this major feminist issue. Uh, Webster's Dictionary always picks a word of the year. Uh, This year, it's feminism. Would you believe it? (laughs) After all this time... Anyway, uh, I'll save it until I figure out why. Why this is happening now. Why this issue at this time. History has these hinges, you know, moments when things change when there's actually a shift in our thinking in our perceptions actually there are those moments after which things are not the same see Gloria Steinem called it a click experience but it's more than that I mean think back over the last uh Oh, 50 years. I mean, Monica Lewinsky, uh, she didn't do it. Even Anita Hill could not alter the fundamental narrative of the male-female relations. That was back in, what, 1991 and 92. Wrecked the Supreme Court with that one. (laughs) Anyway, so why is this happening now? Why? Uh, Awareness seems to have reached a critical mass... Everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. They get it. Apparently, something hit home. Our national consciousness has altered. You know, uh, suddenly, everywhere you look, you see it. I actually feel sorry for some of the guys whose lewd behavior has (laughs) come back to haunt them. Uh, Thought they'd get away with it, eh? But anyway, the point is that an issue that has been around since day one, since, since... Antiquity is suddenly out on the table. So far, my guess is that it has something to do with D.J. Trump. Strange to think that we have Trump to thank for giving us a kind of lesson in coarse behavior. Indeed, indeed. Uh Uh-huh. If you can think of any other reason why this business of sexual harassment has come to the fore, do write me. Let me know what you think. Uh, You can reach me with emails here at KPFA. Uh, Laura Privis, our program director, shall give them to me anyway. Just why is it, do you think, that this time enough is enough, boys and girls? Women are unwilling to put up this male malaise, this aggressive, <laughs> obnoxious behavior. Uh, humiliation will no longer be the price of a job, of advancement in career, of a place at the table. We must treat each other as fellow men. Girls, too. <laughs> Feminism means that we are all human beings We are equal in status, equal in worth, equal in the fundamental human rights, including the right not to be treated with contempt. Both genders demand respect. Uh, I think think it's a headache, but it's Christmas. To hell with it. Let's go back to the children. Let's remember the children. That's another group that needs... uh, Special attention, <laughs> indeed. Little liberation for the kids. Kids today. Some folks think we spoil the kids too much. They've got too much stuff and all that. You know, uh, trophy children, all that junk. Anyway, I think that the kids have hardly uh, enough support. Look around. Uh, they certainly don't have enough respect. Uh, Charlotte Bronte wrote that nothing refines like affection. Hug your kid, bumper sticker, every day. Yes, read them. Read them, Charles Dickens and Hans Christian Andersen and Beatrix Potter and even, if you like, Harry Potter. Just read to them and hold them as close as you can. Anyway, today... I want to read the story of Ferdinand the Bull, Ferdinand the Bull by Monroe Leaf. I have read it before, of course, many times, but that only means I love it. Gertrude Stein wrote, people repeat what they love, and what they love, they repeat. See, Gertrude Stein wrote, I am rose, my eyes are blue. I am rose, and when I sing, I am rose like anything. I think there's more to it than that, but... uh, Anyway, most children can repeat their favorite stories and their favorite rhymes, you know. Uh, They love to do that. It's kind of like a call and response. Anyway, they can do all that before they learn to read. The oral tradition is ancient. I noticed that uh, TV series uh, uh, Outlander the other day, they used the story by Margaret Wise Brown, Good Night Moon. They found a reference for it. In the show, the woman is a time traveler, and she's back in the 18th century, and she starts to, she starts to recite Good Night Moon before she realizes that it's 200 years too soon. Anyway, uh, the author Margaret Wise Brown wrote more children's books than I can count. Uh, check her out. Uh, that's for the very, very young Next up in age would be the Beatrix Potter books, those little books. So close to my heart. Uh, I think Peter Rabbit is as cool as Winnie the Pooh. I used to have the whole set of Beatrix Potter books, but I've given them away. I wish I still had them. I'm going to find uh, Jemima Puddle Duck and bring that down to the radio station because it's about a woman who doesn't know how to take care of the kids. Uh, anyway... Ferdinand the Bull was the first banned book I read my children. uh, Check out Publishers Weekly. What's the date in Publishers Weekly for that uh, review? Okay, 86 here, October 1986, Publishers Weekly. You can find uh, the uh, report. (laughs) Yes, Hitler. Hitler burned it. It was banned all over the place. it's about a pacifist, oh, you know how that goes uh, mm, that was so remarkable uh, to think that it was written in 45 minutes, uh, anyway, let's see what does it say here, oh, this is my own article in an, uh, a local paper here, uh, let's see some people felt that this book was downright anti fascist. There was a special book burning in Germany where it was labeled quote degenerate democratic propaganda. This charming bull, Ferdinand, was condemned as a pacifist, an anarchist, and a communist. Life, Look, and the New Yorker wrote about Ferdinand Monroe Leaf was attacked in the Cleveland Plain Dealer for subverting the children of America. <laughs> There's a lot of responses here from from Monroe Leaf, the author. Uh, actually, uh, you know, it's just about a guy who would rather not fight. He would rather enjoy the wine of life. My mother saw it that way. She thought that the cork tree in the story, uh, you know, the little clusters of bottle corks are drawn like clusters of grapes in the... Uh, In the illustrations, my mother took this to mean that at least the illustrator might be a drinker. Mm -hmm. Why, in a more recent interpretation, has it that Ferdinand likes to get stoned. And when he's smelling all the flowers in the lovely lady's hair, he's getting high. Well, whatever anyone thinks, Viking Press sold out eight editions within 13 months. In 1986, Publishers Weekly gave a sales figure of... 2.4 million copies sold up to that time, as well as translations into 60 languages. It was not published in Spain until 1978. Wow. Does it seem remarkable that a fable written for children should receive this kind of attention simply because it suggests that a male animal might prefer peace to war? This is not the master narrative in our culture. In our culture, you have the story of the warrior, the hero, the guy who fights and wins. Homer wrote a few of those stories, but uh, it's pretty much the same story. Uh, The mythos of Western civilization is the heroic warrior. Uh, Never mind, I don't want to run out of time. Let me read you a little bit of Ferdinand. There's another book. Written later, Walt disney's Ferdinand and the bullies in which in which it shows you how to, how to be a fighter, not a uh, pacifist Walt disney let's see the Walt Disney Book is a beginning reader uh, back in the day, sad, sad, sad. The illustrations are hideous they're just Walt Disney cartoons anyway here's Monroe Leaf's masterpiece, the story. Of Ferdinand Drawings by Robert Lawson, written by Monroe Leaf. His wife said she should he should stop bothering her and go do something, and it took him forty-five minutes to write this story. Once upon a time in Spain, there was a little bull and his name was Ferdinand. All the other little bulls he lived with would run and jump and butt their heads together, but Not Ferdinand. He liked to sit just quietly and smell the flowers. He had a favorite spot out in the pasture under a cork tree. Sometimes his mother, who was a cow, would worry about him. She was afraid he would be lonesome all by himself. Why don't you run and play with the other little bulls and skip? "'and your head,' she would say. "'But Ferdinand would shake his head. "'I like it better here where I can sit just quietly, quietly, "'and smell the flowers.' While well, his mother saw that he was not lonesome, "'and because she was an understanding mother, "'even though she was a cow, "'she let him just sit there and be happy.' As the years went by, Ferdinand grew and grew until he was very big, big and strong. All the other bulls who had grown up with him in the same pasture would fight each other all day. They would mud each other and stick each other with their horns. What they wanted most of all was to be picked to fight at the bull fights in Madrid, but not Ferdinand. He still liked to sit just quietly under the cork tree and smell the flowers. One day, five men came in very funny hats to pick the biggest, fastest, roughest bull to fight in the bullfights in Madrid. All the other bulls ran around snorting and budding and leaping and jumping, so the men would think that they were very, very strong and fierce and picked them. Ferdinand knew that they wouldn't pick him, and he didn't care, so he went out to his favorite cork tree to sit down. He didn't look where he was sitting, and instead of sitting on the nice, cool grass in the shade, he sat on a bumblebee. Well, if you were a bumblebee and a bull sat on you, what would you do? You would sting him, and that is just what this bee did to Ferdinand. Wow, did it hurt. Ferdinand jumped up with a snort. He ran around puffing and snorting and butting and pawing the ground as if he were crazy. Well, the five men saw him, and they all shouted with joy. Here was the largest and fiercest bull of all, just the one for the bullfights in Madrid. So they took him away for the bullfight day in a cart. What a day it was. Flags were flying, bands were playing, and all the lovely ladies... Had flowers in their hair. They had a parade into the bull ring. First came the banderillas with the long, sharp pins with the ribbons on them to stick in the bull and make him mad. Next came the picadors who rode skinny horses. They had long spears to stick in the bull and make him madder. Yeah. Then came the matador, the proudest of all. He thought he was very handsome. He bowed to the ladies. He had a red cape and a sword and was supposed to stick the bull last of all. Then came the bull. And you know who that was, don't you? Ferdinand. They called him Ferdinand the Fierce. All the banderillos were afraid of him, and the picadors were afraid of him, and the matador was scared stiff. Ferdinand ran to the middle of the ring. Everyone shouted and clapped, because they thought he was going to fight fiercely, and butt and snort, stick his horns around. But not Ferdinand. When he got to the middle of the ring, he saw the flowers in all oh, the lovely lady's hair. And he just sat down, quietly, and smelled. He wouldn't fight and be fierce, no matter what they did. He just sat and smelled. And the bandoleros were mad, and the picadores were madder, and the matador was so mad, he cried, because he couldn't show off with his cape and sword. So they had to take Ferdinand home. And for all I know, he is sitting there still, under his favorite cork tree, smelling the flowers just quietly. He is very happy. Now, this little masterpiece—I can't imagine why it was considered to be a threat, a threat to to the patriarchy, the great, the great, uh, what is that uh, mythos or master narrative of our time? The awful little book that I mentioned, the Walt Disney book, is uh, is not a direct. Theft. It's called Ferdinand and the Bullies. Came out exactly 50 years after the original. I guess that was because of the copyright, I guess, yes. Because even with the and the bullies tacked on, I guess it would be pretty obvious. Uh, a Walt Disney beginning reader bantam book. Oh, God, somebody sent me this years ago. and uh, <laughs> I, Yes, it was a gift from Bart Hopkin experimental musical instruments, P.O. box. Uh, okay, I won't give his address and phone number, but I do thank him so much for sending me Ferdinand and the bullies because uh, it's all about Ferdinand going to his uncle because he was being bullied and his uncle taught him how to uh, stand up for himself and and be a uh, a warrior, a warrior. Well, I think... That is all very well, but we have enough stories like that. I think that we need more stories like Ferdinand about people and creatures who find something better to do than spend their lives fighting. I was looking at the the uh, television the other day, and I, I did a kind of a spot check all through the channels. And most of what I saw was some guy trying to... Either kill murder or uh, smash some other guy i mean there 's not really very much material there, folks. it really isn 't anyway uh, uh, this this rip off by walt disney is is such a hideous comment uh, travesty it 's in disney 's fun to read library, and they do use it in the public schools. There's a name written in this uh, book, yes, the name of the little boy. It was given to, uh... oh, that's so sad and corrupt, the uh, Disney cartoons. Of course, the cork tree is there. And, of course, it's a tale of male bonding between Ferdinand and his nephew, Raymond Oh, right, Ferdinand is the male mentor who teaches the younger bull, shows him when to fight. This is a reductive junk and an insult to the original artist who drew those whimsical, quirky, hilarious pictures of Ferdinand to say nothing of the writer who conceived this laid-back, contemplative Zen bull. If you buy a children's book this year, check to make sure. It's an original. There's so many rewrites and rip-offs. Uh, I found the tales of Beatrix Potter. as a sacred text as far as I'm concerned. I found it adulterated and cut to a few phrases. And leaving, oh, sometimes they use the original drawings, also by the author. And they, they uh, use reductive uh, story. I found these... Abortions in cardboard bunny-shaped books. I guess they were thought suitable for the very young. Better to wait a year or two and then read these stories as Beatrix Potter wrote them. I mean, you they're long sentences. <laughs> uh, if you're, yeah, if you are looking for the youngest, remember what I said about Margaret Wise Brown. Uh, I had a cloth copy of Goodnight Moon... Uh, I got it for my second son after he consumed a corner of one of my hardback novels when he was teething. I mean, at least he had the good sense to chew on Jane Austen. Now, if you're buying a book for a grown woman, someone who wants to become more familiar with female mythos, mythology, send her to the women's bookstores. There are still some stores that specialize in works by and for women uh, start with Barbara G Walker's the woman's encyclopedia of myths and secrets only twenty dollars in card in paperback I'm not sure what the price is now but back in the day it was 20 bucks uh, it's still the most material for the money as a reference book I think it's more useful than my dictionary. Uh, it gives you all the new takes on old ideas and all the, what is it, interpretations, the ways in which, uh, the woman's, the woman's religions, the goddess religion, everybody winces when I say goddess, uh, how it was transmuted into, uh, the, uh, patriarchal religions, you know, the, uh, Abrahamic religions, Islam, uh, Christianity, Judaism, okay. Now, in the Encyclopedia of Myths and Secrets, we read that most pagan mysteries celebrated the birth of the divine child at the winter solstice. The Norsemen celebrated the birthday of their lord Frey, F-R-E-Y, at the nadir of the sun in the darkest days of winter, known to them as Yule, The night of birth, Christmas Eve, was called, oh, I can't pronounce it, (laughs) Modranect, M-O-D-R-A-N-E-C-T. The night of the mother, anyway, originally that was a greater festival than Christmas Day, naturally. I always wondered why I celebrated Christmas on Christmas Eve. I guess it's my genetic memory. I love the pagan part. Yule log, lights, mistletoe, holly, feasts. What uh, churchmen in the Middle Ages bitterly denounced as carnal pop and jollity. Here's what Barbara Walker writes about uh, that stuff back in the day in the 17th century. She's talking about Puritans in 17th century Massachusetts tried to ban Christmas altogether because of its overt heathenism. She goes on to describe the pantheon of pagan deities associated with the world tree. Christmas trees evolved from the uh, silver pine. They were uh, pine groves attached to the temples of the Great Mother. When I discovered the ancient origins of solstice celebration, I found I could have a glorious time at this season of the year. In my childhood, Christmas was a bacchanalia. How exciting to realize that those early experiences were genuine. For me, they centered around my own mother, whose irreverence always prompted her to quote the philosopher George Santayana. He wrote, There is no God, and Mary is his mother. (laughs) In Gaia theology, God is not a father, not a lord or a monarch, but a mother, a lover, a friend. The birth of Christ is about regeneration. It's not about that king thing which developed along with the primate grandiosity and regaliziosity and the greed and consumerism that we justly deplore in today's climate of materialism. Corporate Christianity has nothing to do with the birthing of saints. Any mom can tell you that. Last year I asked the great mother what orders she had for me. (laughs) She gave me her, her archaic smile, she said. You have permission to party. This has been Jennifer Stone. I'll be back on the air next week, um, the day after Christmas. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can.
1: Walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows Hi, I'm CS Song, and in my mind, if 2017 proves anything, it's that complacency and inaction are not an option. I'm asking you to take action by donating to KPFA before year's end, and better yet, today. The amount you pledge at kpfa.org is tax-deductible, and your dollars go toward bringing you the alternative voices and perspectives heard nowhere else. Thanks so much for your generosity and support. You're listening to KPFA 94.1 and KPFB 89.3 in Berkeley, KFCF 88.1 in Fresno, and K248BR 97.5 in Santa Cruz. You can stream KPFA online or listen to our archive shows anytime at kpfa.org.